the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Ben Shapiro, who is the uh, editor-in-chief of... uh, of the Daily Wire, also the uh, most listened to conservative podcast in the world. Welcome, Ben hey. Shapiro. How are you? Good to see you. So, what books would you like to ban today? Wow, I mean, after that list, I don't know what's yeah. left. Yeah, I know. I mean, I got to go with the children's books since I'm how stuck do, reading those in the middle of the night. So, how do you? How, yeah, you go to these college campuses all the time, and you speak. And w- when I went to college, which was, I spent more time in the parking lot than an actual classroom but uh you were taught um how to think how to find uh answers i mean i was i the professor that i uh, learned so much from i had no idea where he stood on any issue because he would argue so hard on one side Mm -hmm. and then flip it around and argue on the other side and you believed both of them Mm mm-hmm Nobody's doing that anymore. In fact, that's frowned upon. Yeah, that, that's usually reserved for law school. I mean, really, like when, when you go to law school, that's what they say. They're going to teach you how to think like a lawyer. But when you're in when you're in uh, undergrad, they, they don't bother with that anymore. They, they're teaching you how to think, but it's how they want you to think. So they're teaching you what to think more than how to think. Um, so w- what are you seeing when you go to college campuses? I think there's a real pent-up energy. I think there's a lot of pent-up anger because I think people there are, are largely bored. I mean, I think there's a reason that people show up on a Wednesday night to hear me talk in the middle of the week, you know, in the middle of the brutal cold and a thousand people show up. And I don't think it's because I'm that great a speaker. I mean, I'm fine, but I really think yeah. that it has more to do with the fact that there is some hole that's being left intellectually on these campuses. And anyone who even attempts to fill that hole on campuses is being treated with a certain amount of, of excitement and reverence simply because the colleges have left the field wide open. I mean, you don't even have to be that good at this stuff in order to be seen as somebody who has something valuable to say, I think. You're pretty good at this stuff. Well, I'm, you're allowed to say it. I'm not. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty good at this stuff. You and Jordan Peterson are probably the best thinkers, I think, on the right Well, right thanks. Now. That's that's high compliment because Jordan's yeah. fantastic. So. Yeah, Jordan is, Jordan is amazing. And he's having the same kind of success that you are, where he's, he, and he's a guy who wasn't looking for it. Right, right. Well, I think that that's, that's one of the things. It's, it's really fascinating. There's this whole group of people who have really kind of come to prominence in the last three, four years. And they're really disparate politically. I mean, you're talking about people like Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris or Brett Weinstein uh, or me. And all these people disagree with each other on a huge variety of matters. But there's two things they seem to have in common. One is that they actually purport to care about data. And they won't just dismiss data if it disagrees with their position. And the other is that they seem to be willing to say no to things. Uh, And there's something that, that I've started terming the Bartleby effect. Uh, which is there? There's this short story by Herman Melville called uh, Bartleby, the Scrivener. Where, I'm not sure if that's on the list approved list. From uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah. But <laughs> but the uh, but the short story is about this guy who is a, he's a, a scribe at a Wall Street law firm, and one day his bosses come in and they ask him to do something. He just says, "I'd prefer not to," and they don't know what to do with him because he's not actively saying no, but he's not saying yes. So they, he just says, "I'd prefer not to," and they leave him alone. And eventually. After saying I would prefer not to to everything, he ends up dying basically alone in prison. Um, mm. But the pur- but the purpose of the story is to say that society cannot tolerate people who refuse to kind of go along to get along. Well, that's true. But if you look at all the people who have who've risen to prominence, people like Jordan, Jordan rose to prominence not based on his latest book, which is actually a pretty late development. He rose to prominence because in Canada there was Bill C sixteen, which essentially mandated that you use transgender pronouns. And Jordan, a couple of years ago, said, "I'm not doing that." 
That doesn't accord with the realities of of psychological development, so I'm just not going to do that. And people lost their minds, and suddenly he was this major figure in Canada for just saying no. Sam Harris has become a major figure because he was on Bill Maher's show, and he said Islam might be a more dangerous religion as a general matter than Christianity, because the facts bear out that there are more violent Muslims worldwide than violent Christians. And he was run out on rail by the left, but suddenly he had this new following of people who were saying, listen, this guy's willing to undergo a certain amount of pressure in order to say what he wants to say. For Brett Weinstein, it was the same thing at Evergreen State College. So saying no, I think, gives a lot of college students a feeling like if you're willing to say no and take a risk to say no, then you must have some sort of rooted eternal values to which you are subject and this means that you have some sort of gloss on life that's more than my professors are saying is possible out there. It's not, but it's not just saying no. It's saying no because of of logic and reason. Right. You know, every that's that's why everybody is famous now of saying no. Well, no, I'm not male or female. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. that's not the same. And it's and we are dis we are have disconnected from all logic all reason all science yes and and just and because everybody's just saying no well i don't i don't have to take that i have different facts it's a really fascinating development to watch as all these people on the left who proclaim that they were so pro science are throwing people out of the ranks like i don't know if you saw this conversation between sam harris and ezra klein sam harris is on the left i mean sam is a real democrat and ezra klein went on his show and called sam harris a racist because sam harris looked at actual data about IQ differentiation among groups. He actually read Charles Murray's book and had mm-hmm. Charles Murray on his program mm-hmm. and said, listen, Charles Murray's not attributing all of this to biology, but there's some pretty, you know, there's some pretty clear evidence that there's at least a biological component to IQ. And Ezra Klein went on Sam Harris's show and without any data at all called him a racist. That's because there's this new fangled philosophy that says that all relative, all, all reality is subjective. All reality is what you feel about the reality. And so science is not subjective. Science is what science is. And that means scientists are, are surprised when they find themselves out on their ear for the first time. It's, well, I don't it's, think people really took postmodernism seriously. Yeah. You know, and that's what yep. we are living in the postmodern world. And if you don't know what postmodernism is, modern, the modern lifestyle is the age of reason, the the enlightenment, the idea that we take science and facts and we look at all of it, that was modern thinking. We've now thrown that away. We are post-modernism. And instead of now being ruled by a church, we're ruled by some other religious doctrine. I just yes. don't know what it is, but it is a religious, it's dogma. So I'm, I'm writing a book about this right now, and I actually think that what, what has happened here is the culmination of essentially a 300-year process where what what originally happened was there was postmodernism is the rejection of values on behalf of the subjective. So where it makes a certain amount of sense, where people logically resonate to postmodernism is they say that postmodernism applies when it comes to morality, that your morality is not objective, right? That we all have our, our morality, that really life is a series of power political struggles. And what you say is morality, you're only saying that because it benefits you to say that that's morality. And so a lot of people buy into that. Well, that, though, was an outgrowth of the rejection of postmodern, postmodern value rejection was an outgrowth of the rejection of religion. Because the idea was if there's no objective religion out there, then what defines values in here? And so people said, okay, fine, well, we can deal with the postmodern values struggle because we'll make our own values. We'll make our own value systems. But they forgot that science is a value. Reason is a value. Rationality is a value. And so a lot of the folks who were very reasonable and were very interested in reason, enlightenment thinkers, 
were some of the biggest people promoting postmodern values. And then they were surprised when the when the Frankenstein monster turned on its master. All of a sudden, all these people who are promoting postmodern values said, well, science is a value too, so why exactly should we take science seriously? Mm-hmm. Right? If, if, if you're saying that reason and rationality, these are the highest values, but you're only saying that because you're a reasonable, rational, intelligent person. You're only saying that because you're high IQ. You're only saying that because you benefit from the scientific consensus. Like there are papers that are now being written on the postmodern left saying things like science is a creation of the white male heterosexual patriarchy. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was this this fascinating thing. I talked to Jordan about this the other day. It's this this Google memo that came out mm-hmm. uh, from uh, that, that was revealed in the James Damore lawsuit against Google, where they put out a paper saying white values versus non-white values, and among white values were things like rationality, or things like winning and losing. Or things like scientific progress. Like, these things were actually listed as white views of the universe as opposed to objective views of the universe. I mean, what I said about it on my show is that if Google lived by the by the values that it purports to hate, it would be out of business in five minutes, mm-hmm. obviously, right? Google bases mm-hmm. its own, own business on all of these values that it purports to think are white, heterosexual, patriarchal mm-hmm. norms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the value system that has built the West, and we're rejecting that now. Because we've gone so down, uh, because we thought that we could separate religion from science and that that break could be clean. And instead, it turns out that by rejecting religion, by rejecting the idea that there's an objective truth about morality in the world, we are also going to reject the idea of objective truths generally. And you see some people struggling to put that, uh, some people struggling to put that back together. I'm struggling to put that back together. I think Jordan's struggling to put that back together. I think there are certain people like Steven Pinker uh, or like Sam, who are Sam Harris, who are, who are trying to keep the religion out of it and trying to restore the enlightenment vision of science. But I'm, I'm not sure how you can do that. I'm not it sure how you work. can remove the base of the science. Like science was not, there's this weird idea. Uh, you were saying this earlier. You know, there, there's this weird idea that history began today. Well, a lot of enlightenment advocates think that history began in 1750. That <laughs> Like that's when history began. And that mm-hmm. there's no history to science, that science started in 1750, that good thought began in 1750. There is a rooted philosophy of the West that goes all the way back to Sinai and that carries forward through the Sermon on the Mount and then all the way forward through Locke. There is no way you can understand the West without understanding the Bible. You don't have to believe you don't have to believe in the angels and the magic tricks and the fire and all of that. You don't have to. But you do have to read it and go, what is this trying to teach? And how did this form what we have? Exactly. And everybody's trying to throw that out. Without that, you've completely taken all of the cornerstones out. You've taken the cornerstone and all of the foundation of the house out. you got nothing left. This is right. I think, and I think the history of this 19th and 20th centuries are, are enough to prove this. I mean, mass chaos and, and the bloody slaughter of an enormous portion of the globe on the basis of rationality should be enough to show you that rationality unmoored to some sort of higher value system is pretty dangerous stuff. Glenn, I'm, uh, I hope uh, Ben is uh, under, he understands what's happening uh, in D.C. with a very, uh, very interested guy uh, in the D.C. City Council. If you remember, he his name is, uh, let's see, Trayon White, and he uh, initially had talked about the big conspiracy that a lot of people are not discussing about how Jews are controlling the weather. <laughs> Damn you! Uh, and I notice you know. Ben lives out here in Los Angeles, oh, and yeah. it's beautiful all the time. <laughs> it is coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> Do we have the initial clip of of him driving in his car, uh, watching uh, like three snowflakes falling and blaming it on the Jews? Just started snowing out of nowhere this morning, man. Out of nowhere. Y'all better pay attention to this climate control, man. Uh, this climate manipulation. And DC keep talking about we're a resilient city, and that's a model based off the Rothschilds controlling the climate. Create natural disasters, they can pay for it and own the cities, man. Be careful. 
Wow. And so the Rothschilds, how how deeply connected to the Rothschilds I mean, are you? We, we really don't talk about this, except okay. at our Friday night meetings. Okay. Right? I mean, we we yeah. really try to keep this under wraps. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I will say, yeah. the last time I traveled to Atlanta, I brought a tornado with me, and then that big snowstorm in D.C. was the next day because I traveled Holy to D.C. Holy so cow. He's I'm admitted it. There it is. He's admitted it. Now, there's an update to this story. I don't know if you know, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, he was doing a tour to uh, a little penance for his pre- previous comments, and he went to the Holocaust Museum. And you know this is going to turn out oh, well, obviously. Yeah. Is this uh, is a sitcom here? Yeah. So he, <laughs> he did exi- not find the weather machine. No. He did, <laughs> did not. not find it there. He but. did examine a picture of a girl walking through a crowd surrounded by German soldiers, and, and the girl was wearing a sign. The sign said, I am a German girl and allowed myself to be defiled by a Jew. White, uh, this councilman, then asked the tour guide, are they protecting her? Meaning, are the German Nazi soldiers protecting this girl? <laughs> No, the guide said, they're marching her through. Marching through is protecting, White oh. responded. Uh, oh of course, they, the guide pointed out that they thought that maybe they were humiliating her. Now, White then decided halfway through the tour to just bolt. He just leaves the tour and goes outside and waits outside on the street. Once he leaves, a member of his staff suggests that a picture of the Warsaw Ghetto resembles a, quote, gated community. Uh, the rabbi doing the tour points out, yeah, I wouldn't call it a gated community, more like a prison. So it's yeah. not going well for this particular. So gentleman. I want to get uh, I want to get Ben's uh, view as one of the most hated Jews in America, perhaps the world. Uh, I'd like to get his uh, like to get his view on this gated community and what I think was probably a condominium complex of Auschwitz. So back with uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, who has um, uh, been following uh, Kanye West and Shania Twain for some strange reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both in the news. I mean, yeah, I know, they, I know. Yeah, no, so Kanye came out with a bunch of kind of bizarrely conservative tweets. He tweeted his support for Candace Owens mm-hmm. the other day, uh, who's a, a compatriot of Charlie Kirk over at Turning Point USA and black woman who's a supporter of Trump. And then he tweeted also something about how self-victimization is a disease. And all these conservatives were like, oh, my God, Kanye's on our side, man. Kanye's here. I don't here. know if I want Kanye on our side. So this is kind of my take. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> right. can we remember who Kanye is? It's so it's so amazing that we on the right have this scorn for people on the left because, we're like, oh, look how they worship celebrity. Look how they worship yeah. celebrity. Well, first of all, Donald Trump is the president of the United States now. Right. Also, Kanye West is a the only reason you care Kanye West thinks and he's not just muttering to himself on a corner somewhere is because he's a big celebrity and this this bizarre notion that somebody whom the cameras have focused in on has been conferred with a greater than average wisdom is the <laughs> stupidest thing I have ever heard of someone who grew up in Hollywood and who knows a lot of people the cameras have focused in on let me just say the folks in the music industry the folks in Hollywood they don't know Anything. I mean, like there, there are a few writers oh. who, are, who are somewhat smart, but are you, you're talking about like these musicians, or you're talking about no, you're talking about come the on. actors. Ben, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> of course, they're dolts. It's, a lot of them are just dolts. A lot. I think there are a lot of people in powerful or public positions that are as dumb as the uh, city councilman oh, yeah. in Washington, D.C. No question. Have no idea. Never read a book, don't know history, have no idea what they're talking I about. I mean, the, Keith Ellison was almost the head of the DNC, and I'm not sure he's wildly smarter than Treyon White. 
I mean, they, they both gave money, apparently, to the same Nation of Islam event. So it's, it's one of the great disappointments of life, as Adam Carolla once said, is, is that when you're a kid, you look around, you look at the adults, and you see they all have houses, and they have cars, and they have nice stuff, and they can do what they want at night, and it looks great. And you figure, they must be so smart. I mean, they've got all these nice things. They've got, like, houses mm-hmm. and cars. And then you grow up and you realize all the same people who are stupid when you were kids are still stupid when you're adults. And so that means that they all have houses and cars, too. And that's not... <laughs> and the same thing is true for Kanye. This is a guy who Josh Groban did one of the great routines ever. If you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and look it up. It's so funny. It's him singing the tweets of Kanye West. And it's him singing things like, Fur pillows are hard to sleep on. <laughs> and it's and it, how he wants a giant fish tank. He's looking for a giant antique fish tank. The same guy who's tweeting about how he needs a giant antique fish tank is the same guy tweeting deep thoughts about self-realization. And we're like, yeah, man, because we're so hungry for any sort of legitimacy on the right. We are so hungry for anyone who's famous to say that we're not the worst people in the world and we're not crazy. And particularly if that person happens to be a minority like Kanye, that we are willing to just glom onto anything. It is an amazing thing. We should be looking So how does this fare? How do, how do we fare? How do we how do we get through this? Um, do we? <laughs> do we? Really? I, mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, again, we've lost so much of the idea that what validates us is the community we live in or the God to whom we are subject. And instead, what validates us is a famous person saying something that makes us feel yeah. good about ourselves. And that's that's not a that's not a very so I have to tell you, thing. I am. Uh, I am. I, 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 I drove to the studios today. We're in Los Angeles. I drove to the studios today and I, I turned on the radio and I heard a, a doctor talking about how uh, she's doing uh, regression therapy, uh, but not just for this timeline. But all of your alternative timelines. Whoa. Yeah. So I don't know if she uses the flux capacitor to do that. I don't know how that works. But I heard that, and I'm I, 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 at the top of my lungs alone in the car today. How does anybody live here? How do you live here? Is there's, It's this weird thing that um, there is this little group yes. of... It, it's. But it's but pretty it's, live. The, it's pretty other... live intellectually, right? I mean, it's it's Peter Thiel just moved down here uh, from from San Jose. Uh, Jordan Peterson is out here a lot. Uh, Dave Rubin is out here. Uh, Dennis Prager is out here. The Claremont Institute is out here. There, there, there's there's a lot out here actually, and I think one of the reasons is because when you're constantly balancing off the crazy of the other side, yeah, it is intellectually stimulating. I mean. You actually had to hear about that crazy regression thing, and now you can use it on the air, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you were back yeah. home right now, yeah, you'd no, be, they'd be talking be... about, like, normal stuff on right. the radio, yeah, I, I would. <laughs> Well, no, I wouldn't be talking about normal stuff, but I wouldn't be talking about Texas. Right, exactly. You know what no, I mean? That's what I mean. Like, the I stuff that, t- if yeah. you're tuning into the radio on your way into the station, yeah. they wouldn't be talking about regression therapy. But, no. the, but And the thing is that all of the crazy that's happening in L.A., all the crazy that's happening in San Francisco, there are roots to that, too. So we on the right tend to think of that as being just the latest craze, the latest fad. But there's some pretty pagan roots to all of this, and I think that what's really going on right now is a battle between Judeo-Christian monotheism and a reversion to a certain level of paganism, because that's Big just time. witchcraft, right? I mean, regression yeah, therapy for alternative timelines, Yeah, that's just witchcraft kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, this is, this is like, I'm not saying we should burn you or anything, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I am saying that it you, is. you guaranteeing me that you're going to make my life better by talking about a life that I have never lived yeah. is a form of you trying to guarantee a level of control in the universe to human beings that human beings simply do not have yeah. over the universe and that we can't exercise over the universe. I wrote a, um, I wrote a book, uh, a novel of, I don't know, eight years ago or so, called The Eye of Moloch. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's biblical in its nature because 
if you if you look at um, uh, if you look at how people were worshiping uh, and and who Moloch is, mm-hmm. it, he he wants you to have you know orgies, crazy sex, do whatever you want, yep. destroy everything, and then sacrifice the baby of of that union mm-hmm. uh i mean we're we're worshiping moloch we just don't know it i think that's right it, it, it's it's under the guise of pantheism which sounds a whole lot nicer and it's also being concealed by the fact that we are still living in the you know your car runs out of gas and you're running on the fumes we're still living on the fumes of the judeo-christian yes. value system so all the same people in hollywood who are promoting this these sorts of values the same people who will use that regression technique yeah. most of them are married most of them have kids most of them still have not been divorced Right. The fact is that we, we see the high profile divorces in Hollywood, but the truth is most of the people who live in Hollywood are fairly normal human beings, or at least they live fairly normal lifestyles. This is Charles Murray's point in, in coming apart, right? He says that upper class white folks who live on the coast and are the quote unquote thought leaders about yeah. single motherhood, yeah. they don't live those lifestyles. They're not right. single mothers. They're not living impoverished lifestyles. They're they're basically doing what everybody else does, with maybe the exception of going to church. And so they are living off the fumes of this Judeo-Christian history, but they are promoting this new lifestyle to a bunch of people who are being suckered by it because they think, oh, this, this is what the successful people do. What the successful people do is they all are members of sex cults. And out here in L.A., that's, that's really not what's going on. There's, there's what they, <laughs> the, the, the face they put forward to the world is that, you know, everyone is depraved and everybody, because we're all experimenting and this is our thing. But the truth is that all of the people, I find it a high point of amusement that all of the people who are so open about their promiscuity, you know, these starlets who are so open about their mm-hmm. promiscuity when they're 17, 18 years old, by the time they're 30, they're settling down, they're married, they have kids, right? They're, they're living the same lifestyle as somebody who's living out in Oklahoma or Texas. Mm-hmm. They just won't tell you that, right? The stuff that the media want to focus on, the stuff they want you to focus on is the sexy stuff, the stuff when they're 19, they're dancing naked with members of the same sex. That's the stuff. But by the time they're 30, I mean, look, look at Miley Cyrus's new videos. And they basically look like Shania Twain videos, right? I mean, all of a sudden, she's doing, like, videos on the beach with her boyfriend. It looks like they're going to settle down. It looks like they're going to have kids. Because it turns out that the human drive for solidity and the human drive yeah. for some sort of value system is stronger even than the human drive for, for, for depravity. Or at least it is when you realize that you're going to die at some point and the yeah. depravity is going to catch up with you. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about Shania Twain, your opinion on Shania Twain, um, a Canadian, mm-hmm. uh, asked who she would have voted for so she couldn't vote what a ridiculous question to even ask her she shouldn't have answered the question but the way she answered the question was based on the values of the people who voted for him which is her audience right i would say i probably would have voted for donald trump and now she's apologized in a long Twitter storm apology about how, you know, I still I'm not a racist. I'm not a sexist. I don't believe in a lot of the same things that, that President Trump does. I was just trying to answer the question. But really, I shouldn't have spoken out. It's like, really? First of all, this may be the most Canadian thing ever. Like speaking out about an election that you couldn't take part in, then apologizing for a vote you could never have cast. That's pretty Canadian. Michael, Michael uh, Buble, I'm in New York uh, and I'm walking into a hotel lobby Michael is is there, and he sees me, and he calls across the lobby. It's like one o'clock in the morning. He's like, "Glenn," and I turn around. I I walk up, and he said, "I want you to know, I was just in a fist fight over you." And I said, "What?" <laughs> he said, "I was at a hockey game someplace in Canada, and somebody said, I can't believe that you're friends with Glenn Beck, and you go on the air with Glenn Beck.'" And he's like, "Dude, he's a nice guy with his politics." 
we're Canadian. Why do you care about his <laughs> politics? And he said, he actually, the guy threw blues, uh, blows that he, they were, they were throwing punches. First of all, I want to see Michael Bublé in a fight. I mean, that just, that, oh, I think, I bet he's, sounds, I'll bet he's, I bet he's good. Shockingly good. Yeah, I bet he's bad. This is where he just loosens, yeah, this yeah. is the only time he loosens uh, yeah, the tie yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he takes off the yeah. skinny tie, he unbuttons that top button, just goes to work. Right, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I think that, it is it is incredible the level of intellectual bullying to which people are being subjected at this point where you even say you voted for Trump or you say, hey, I support some of the things Trump is doing. The, the, the fact that so many people this goes to my generalized theory of the media. Everybody is seeing we live. So to go back to scientific models, we live in a pre-Copernican era as far as the media are concerned. They think that the world revolves around Donald Trump. Right. Donald Trump is the center of the universe and everything revolves around Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. This is a lie. The world revolves around the media. Right, the media have decided that Donald Trump is the sun in this universe, but the sun in the universe are the media. And that's why Donald Trump is president right now, is because the media cares so much about Donald Trump. So the fact that people are even asking Shania Twain about Donald Trump is because the media cares so yes. much about Trump. It's not Trump who's asking Shania Twain about Trump. It's the media asking Shania Twain about Trump because Trump is the only thing that matters in the universe. Because to the media, he is the only thing that matters How in the universe. How long do you think the media has? I mean, Bill O'Reilly has said to me, media's on its last legs. You know, I, I think that they, they still have so much power, especially through the reinstitution of gatekeeping in the social media, Yes, that I, I, I'm more skeptical than that. I remember after 2004, after Bush won re-election, the, the line from the right was, well, the old media is dead, right? We just defeated the old media. If the old media yeah, had its no. way, John Kerry would have been re-elected. That was 14 years ago. And they're still, they're still going, and they're still having a pretty so major impact. So how do, with the new gatekeeping, um, I talked, do you know what Edwin Black is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, I had Edwin Black on last week. Fascinating. You, you need to talk to him about his uh, theory of uh, anal- uh, analytical uh, ghettos. Algorithmic mm-hmm. ghettos. Uh, or no, sorry, algorithmic ghettos. Uh, and he said, we're all being, we're all being put into a ghetto. Uh, and it's just an algorithm that's doing it this time. But the walls are being built. Yeah. How do, how do businesses like the Daily Wire, the Blaze, your voice, my voice, how do we stay on the on the other side of the wall. So I think that it's really a matter of there are going to have to be new neutral platforms that, that are built. Uh, and I think people will find them. So the fact that my podcast is so popular is not because iTunes favors my podcast, right? It's because people can go to a variety of different podcasting sources mm-hmm. and, and seek it out, which is what they've done, right? It was really more organic than anything else. So I think people people still want to hear different perspectives. If they try to in- reinstall the gates, I think they're going to they're gonna find there are a lot of people who want to tear, the, tear those walls down again. Um, and it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for that to happen because, again, it took Facebook 10 years to, to build this sort of dominance, 15 years to build this sort of dominance. But I, I think that they are fighting a, a losing battle, but it's going yeah. to take a little more time than I think people yeah. think it's going to take. Ben Shapiro from The uh, Daily Wire and The Ben Shapiro Show. Uh, you can watch him online at The Daily Wire. You can also get his podcast at iTunes, wherever else you, you go to find your podcast. Ben, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.